Next on BYUSN, is the key to a special season hinging on the BYU-Oregon football game? And why Blaine Fowler thinks the Oregon game might be even more physical than the Baylor game. Whoa, is that even possible? Oh, it's possible. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, everyone. Presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Tuesday, September 13th. I am Spencer Linton. Across from me sits Jerem Jordan, day two in the new studio. It's like when you uh, move and you're in the house and you're like getting used to the smell of everything, although I can't smell anything in here. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's great. It's great to be in the new uh, digs. Shout out to everyone who, uh, who enjoyed it yesterday, who weighed in on what to think about it. So uh, here we go. This is the, this the is next gen for this show. This is a show of opinions. And a lot, yes, of, it a is. lot of opinions were expressed yesterday. Yes, it is. <laughs> and they shall be expressed today as well. Coming up on the program are completely unbiased. Big 12 plus four power rankings. Where does Kansas fit after an overtime win at West Virginia? Will BYU be serving up Duck in Eugene if the Cougars win? What Kentucky did last week at Florida. And the top five plays from the Baylor game. What a game it was. But first, today's headlines. Indeed, Jerem led off by BYU preparing for number 25 Oregon. Back-to-back weeks with BYU in the top 25 showdown. Kickoff in four days. BYU offensive lineman Kingsley Suomata'ia, a man who is very familiar with that Oregon program, having transferred to BYU from Eugene. Coach Kalani Satake says Kingsley is understandably looking very much forward to the game. I know that he has a lot of appreciation for Oregon. He, he's mentioned that before to us, and um, he's looking forward to this matchup too. But it, it's it's not. Uh, I don't think there's anything like any ill ill feelings or anything like that. He, he's a he's a, a kid that shows a lot of gratitude and humility, and I'm just really proud to be his coach. Indeed, he is. Women's volleyball goes from 10th to 15th in the ABCA poll after losing to two top 10 teams in Georgia Tech and Ohio State. Three straight losses for the Cougars. How rare is that? It's been since 2010. Last time BYU did that. Cougars play at Utah Thursday night, who are four out of the top 25. BYU men's golf leading their tournament. The USF Invitational Tyson Shelley leading the way. He's tied for fifth at three under par individually. The team is a whole one under for the tournament. The Cougars teed off about 30 minutes ago in the final round. Live scoring is available at golfstat.com. And women's golf is in fifth place at 10 over in the USF Intercollegiate San Francisco, led by Alicia May Mateo. She's in second at five under. Cougars tee off right now in the final round. All rise and shout. It is time for What's Trending, presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Jerem, BYU, Oregon, as I mentioned, back-to-back weeks. The Cougars are in a top 25 showdown. They took down number nine Baylor uh, as an underdog at home. And now I saw that. Oregon is the underdog at home, very similar to... No, BYU is the underdog. Sorry. Oregon yeah. is hosting BYU. Right. But favored, like BYU was, even yeah. though the rankings are such that would say, oh, no, no, Oregon should, shouldn't beat BYU. Right. Yeah, well, a similar situation. So, uh, at 2-0, coming off the heels of that special, special win for BYU, does what happens in Eugene make or break what could become a special season for BYU? Does it all hinge on that? I don't think so. Um, because what, to me, special, Spence, is zero or one losses. That's only happened six times in BYU history. We saw it most recently in 2020, obviously. Before that, you got to go back to 96, 84, 83, 80, 79. BYU did that four times in six seasons. So outside of that, the greatest stretch in BYU football that will ever happen, I mean, that was unbelievable with all these quarterbacks and national championship, Special is zero or one. 
So I, I'm not sure that hinges on Oregon because guess what? If BYU can run the table after that, uh, they're good. I do see a 10-2 and two regular season as kind of the top of the mountain, it feels like at this moment, because everything is contingent on the play of the quarterback. Let me walk you through the quarterbacks and what it took in those seasons I just named to be quote-unquote special in my opinion, 0-1. 2020, you have Zach Wilson, second pick in the draft. 96, Steve Sarkeesian wins the Sammy Baugh Trophy for best quarterback. 84, Robbie Bosco, Heisman number three in the voting. 83, Steve Young was Heisman second. First pick in the USFL draft. Would have been the number one in the NFL draft as well to the Bengals. You would have had a Bengals jersey with uh, uh, Steve Young's name on it. Oh. 1980, Jim McMahon. He ends up being the fifth pick in the draft the next year. And 79, Mark Wilson is third in the Heisman. So basically, to have a special season of 0-1 losses, you probably have to have a top five pick or be top five Heisman or first team All-American or win a national award. Jaron Hall is tremendous. I'm not sure he's going to finish in one of those spots because BYU's independent. When BYU's in the Big 12, it's going to be a little easier for that. Because, and if Jaron's healthy all year, that is a possibility. Like those things I mentioned, maybe. Um, zero or one losses, maybe. If Jaron's healthy all year, BYU's got a shot. I still do believe that 10-2 and two is what is probably looking at for this regular season. And I could say uh, this is relatively special because of how tough the schedule is, because of what era BYU's in, because of who Jaron Hall and the Cougars are playing now that they didn't used to play. By the way, Jaron Hall 7-1 and one versus I was Power just 5 br- teams. I was just going to bring that up. Like, what an unbelievable stat What for is him. that worth compared to what Zach Wilson did? Zach Wilson. Because isn't it weighted? Isn't it weighted more in favor of Jaron playing harder teams and beating more difficult teams? Eight and one. I mean, seven and one. That's why I say relatively yeah. special in that regard. Ten and two against this schedule. And again, Notre Dame's not as good as we would, thought. Would ten and two against the schedule equal eleven and one in twenty twenty? I feel like it would. Oh, I think it's almost more. Maybe because right? BYU played one ranked team on the road, and that ranked team didn't end up being that good in Boise State that year. Yes. It's, it's a unique so year. It's, it's, a, it's a weighted situation, right? Yes. It feels like the real – and you said top of the mountain. I know you're talking about realistic, right? Realistic. Totally. Day. Like totally. realistic top of the mountain. Yes. 10 and 2. Now, the top – the real top of the mountain. Yeah, oh, undefeated. Unbelievable. <laughs> 11 and 1 without question would be a special season. I think the question here Maybe is so. with a weighted schedule – does 10-2 and two qualify as a special season? Thus answering the question in a way of, no, BYU doesn't have to beat Oregon if we're like, hey, you can still get to 10-2 and two and have a special season. Yep. No, you don't have to beat Oregon on the road. Right. Their opportunity knocks later down the road. You've got Arkansas and Notre Dame still on the schedule there. Yep. you still got to go to Boise State and exact some revenge there. And you've got Stanford, another power five to close out the season. Say what you will about Stanford. They're a little bit better. We'll see who what they are at the end of the year. But they may be battling for bowl eligibility at that point. Maybe a situation that BYU faced in 2014 when they went to Cal and faced Jared Goff and the Bears needed to win that game to get to a bowl game and BYU kind of spoiled the party. Now Jamal's so, hanging out with Jared Goff. It, yes, he is. It feels like it's maybe that type of scenario for Stanford. But the point is, the opportunity knocks, regardless of what happens this weekend. Yes. There's enough left on the schedule yes. and enough meat on the schedule for BYU to say, nah, yeah, it stinks that BYU potentially loses at Oregon and they drop to 2-1. and one. But, it, no, it's too dramatic to say, oh, it all hinges on if BYU beats Oregon because if they lose that game, the season's over. Yes. No, no. Everything that falls after that still is in favor of BYU making a major national statement. Absolutely. Like, they'll be, even if they lose at Oregon, 
they will still remain in the rankings. They're yep. up high enough at number 12. They fall yep. to what, like 19 or 20 if Oregon beats them. And then you go and take care of business against Utah State and Wyoming, and you're four and one and still ranked and like probably 15 or 16, you're taking on Notre Dame and Las Vegas. Yes, Notre Dame, no matter what happens, will be a big game. If Notre Dame's 0-4 or 5, 0-5 when BYU plays them, which I don't think they'll be, that would still be a big game Absolutely. because we have not Absolutely. cared Absolutely. how BYU, Notre Dame fared when BYU beat them in those years. Notre Dame wasn't that good when BYU beat them in 94 and 04, okay? Uh, certain wins. We just don't care how that team ended up because it was at the time. And when you have the luster and the golden flex of that uh, helmet of Notre Dame, it's special, right? So Arkansas sitting there as the best opponent on the schedule now, clearly, based on how they played Top the last team. Two two weeks. Baylor still might be the best team on the schedule. Maybe it's Oregon. For me to, uh, to weigh back to your point about the, uh, and what I mentioned about relatively special, we need to see at the end of the year how good was this schedule. Because we said before the season, I said, there are four AP top, preseason top 25. They're, all four aren't going to finish AP top 25. There will be two, maybe three. At this point, it looks like Baylor and Arkansas are those teams. We'll see about Notre Dame and Oregon. Oregon, oh my gosh, Oregon's it's hard the, to it's the know. Wild card. It's the wild card. Yes, it's hard to know I what they know. are. Like we said, you get smacked by Georgia, you smack Eastern Washington. What? Who are they? What are they? I don't know, but we know they're good. We know their defense is good. We'll talk to Blaine Fowler, have him break down a little more about, like, okay, tactically, X to no, strategically, like, tell us how yes. they compare to Baylor. Because yes. to me, Oregon, traditionally at least, right, is a spread team. Blaine feels like there's going to be some power there that's similar to Baylor, but guess what? BYU matches up with power. Does BYU match up as well with spread and speed? I think the secondary is excited about this chance, by the way. And, and back to the bigger picture. It's in Eugene. It's a big game. BYU's about to face what Baylor faced, which was you're going on the road and that crowd's going to have an impact. Can you win? Can you avenge the 1990 loss where BYU walks in like fourth, ranked fourth and loses with the eventual Heisman winner tied Emmer that, to the Ducks. It's a big game. That brings up an interesting situation, and we've talked a little bit offline about this, and we'll get into the details of this more Let's bring it on, as, as we push through the week, but week three is weird for BYU historically. Cougar Stats put it out today that it's uh, BYU's worst week record. Yes. In the last 50. And even years. within special seasons, let's go back to 1996. What was the one loss BYU had? Washington. It was week three. In the Pacific Northwest. Suck-gate. In the Pacific Northwest <laughs> against a Pac-12 team, and BYU drops. Like BYU was number 14 going into that game. They were riding high. They were 2-0. They had beaten Texas A&M. They had taken care of a Big 12 opponent on a national stage. They had all mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. all that was mojo. Yep. They go to the Pacific Northwest. They lose that game. Yep. So this feels eerily similar to that situation. BYU's 2-0. They're number 12 this time. Got all types of momentum. They're going to the Pacific Northwest to take on a storied Pac-12 program. Take care of business. Man. So Every day! The, the thing is, they're, they're aware. They're aware. This has been brought up to them. Yes. They're, this has been brought up. Week three they has know. always been kind of weird. Yep. Uh, and especially when it's on Let's the road. Let's get weird. You're when it's Oregon. on the road, right? So, I don't know. Challenge has been issued. History does not technically favor BYU, but let's just throw history out the window and say Vegas, go, go play the game. Vegas and history don't favor no, BYU. No, Vegas and that's is okay. all, in, all in on Oregon. Jaron Hall yesterday, I mentioned to him in the film room, which you'll see tonight on the Satake Show, great conversation with him about, about the moment with Jake Oldroyd, the Chase Roberts exchange of touchdowns. I said, and hey, and Oregon is a, a favorite. He goes, so be it. This guy don't care. 
He doesn't care who's favored in this game. He didn't care that BYU was favored at home. No quarterback has had to play or endure and do what Jaron Hall has done as a quarterback in BYU history. Literally, McMahon and Young didn't have to do what Jaron Hall is doing. They didn't have the schedules. They didn't play as an independent. They didn't prepare for the Big 12. Jaron Hall is the most prepared quarterback in history to go win in Eugene. He is the most prepared BYU quarterback to ever do that because he's been through the fight. He's ready. This is probably his last hurrah, right? He's 7-1 and one against eight Power 5 teams. And three of those are against ranked teams at the time. Two of those are against teams that eventually went on to win or won that league they were in, in Utah and Baylor in the home openers, as we mentioned the last two years. I feel confident about BYU's opportunity here. But again, it's a big game. Let's not get too used to, yep, this is going to continue. It's every week. Enjoy every little morsel of this because you don't know when 5-0, 10th-ranked BYU against Boise State coughs it up a couple times and, and gets shocked. Like, show up, play that game, go win it. Would you take Jaron Hall or Bo Nix <laughs> as your quarterback? You got an option. In my right? complete where, How many BYUs are in the show? Hey. Just two right now? Yeah. Yeah. Our question of the day, does BYU making this a special season hinge on the outcome of this weekend's game with Oregon. Yes, no, time will tell. Let's hear from you, BYUSN, in Voice of the Nation. Andrew Scroggins on Instagram chimes in. Yes, Andrew says, especially off the win BYU just had, they need to walk into Eugene with a mentality that BYU can still be beaten and BYU needs to show their strength. Okay, so a cautious, optimistic approach. But yeah. again, it's so early. Did Listen, did losing to Washington, remind me, Jeremy, did losing to Washington ruin BYU's shot at a special season in 1996? I'm pretty sure they won, what, 12 in a row? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And they won the Cotton Bowl and they finished number five. No! It didn't. This, it's way too early. Special to me is zero or one losses. So if you lose that, you just need to run the table for special. But like we said. It might can, even be 10 and two. This can be a way, like you t- in high school, I didn't take too many of these, but in an AP class, where if I get a B plus in that, that's really like an A in a regular class. Yes. That's the kind of schedule BYU is playing. And then, guess what? You go into the Big 12 next year, you're used to playing these schedules to some degree. H- have you played 10 in a season ever? No. Seven is the most BYU's ever played in a year, I believe. Yeah, it's a little different. But, hey, BYU's prepared for this, so let's go. All right, coming up tonight, BYU football's Kalani Stake airs the BYU TV app at 8.30 Eastern time. Gregor Bell hosts Kalani Stake. Oh, uh, uh, Gregor Bell is the host. Kalani Stake essentially the co-host. Oh, yeah, that's true. Kingsley Suomatsu in studio, former duck. What's the new deep blue on Ed Lamb, horseback riding with his autistic son, Edward. And Jaron Hall joins me in the film room to discuss the emotional embrace with Jake Holt. Up next, Blaine Fowler in studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He thinks BYU just may be in for another physical weekend of football. Not just Baylor, he says. The Ducks going to be physical? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. BYU 
you. Sports Nation is live in Studio B. Welcome back. I'm Spencer Linton. This is Jerem Jordan. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play as promised. And helping us add to that conversation right now is one of our favorites, Uncle B, Blaine Fowler, national champion, quarterback, dual-threat analyst. Blaine, welcome to the new digs. Look at this place. This is awesome. You guys have moved into the big time. I'm loving it. <laughs> Upgrade. <laughs> and, you, and you're going to use it too. Uh, yeah. We're all going to be in here now. Yep, we're going to cool. be we're going to use it for after further review and countdown and all those things when the team's on the road. So it's it's amazing. Like I don't know if you gave everybody a tour. At some point we should do that, right? But it's it is amazing. This is going to be so good. Multifaceted studio, multifaceted conversation we're about to have uh, regarding BYU and Oregon. So. You know, I, I would like to start with the physicality factor. We've been talking about this, and we just pointed out that you think, okay, Oregon is going to host BYU, and we know Baylor's physical, Big 12, just those huge offensive and defensive lines, but we all kind of associate Oregon with speed and quickness and not necessarily physicality and toughness, but you maybe feel differently. Why is that? Well, first of all, maybe the best group they have coming back is on the offensive line. Similar to Baylor, where they had four or five starters coming back. So they feel really good about the talent level that they have at that position. They feel like they have some big physical guys. Dan Lanning brings a different mentality from Georgia than we've seen at Oregon in the past. In the past, Oregon has been a spread RPO run pass option team where their entire focus is just getting the ball to perimeter, get it to guys in space that have speed, have them make people miss. And they really didn't do much of downhill running um, and, and I know that that's what he, he wants them to look more like Georgia over time. He has the line that that's there that can do that. They've, they've got to find a feature running back. Nobody could run the ball against Georgia two weeks ago. And then everybody could run the ball last week against Eastern Washington. So it's really hard to tell what they want to do. But, but I think that he wants to build this program, um, from the ground up where no, we're going to be physical with you. We're going to smack you around at the line of scrimmage and, and he looks – Oregon had a big edge in that league for a long time where they just out – there's so much speed that nobody could match up. And then Stanford came and during a period of time said, we're never going to match up with them with, uh, with speed, so we're just going to beat the crap out of them. We're going to run it at them and we're going to beat the crap out of them. And they handled Oregon. And then Utah kind of took Stanford's place and yeah. said, that's the model we're going to use. We're going to beat the crap out of Oregon. And last year – Utah manhandled Oregon in the two games that they played yep. them. And so I think Dan Lanning comes in and says, okay, that now we have to adjust. We've got to be more physical. We've got some guys we just need to play with a different mentality. We've got the guys coming back up front. So I expect Oregon to flex their muscles a little bit. They still have the talent that's left over from, the, from Cristobal and the old regime. So we're still going to see a lot of screen game out to the perimeter, and is gonna play that really well. But I think we're gonna see more of a commitment to run, and I think on both sides of the ball, on the offense and defense, they want to look more like Georgia. The difference between when Kalani took over at BYU and, and Dan taking over at Oregon is, Oregon's got way more talent than Kalani had when he took over, and Kalani's had to build, build the talent. Oregon's got guys they can play, and they're gonna be real physical up front. There's maybe a different type of talent that he wants to recruit over time, but they should be able to compete right away I think this is going to be more physical than speed that, that, that people expect. They expect you go to Oregon. They've got all these flashy wide receivers and great speed at running back. 
I, I get more nervous about that physical matchup inside. BYU fared really well against Baylor. It's the toe-to-toe. They're going to have to do it again this week against Oregon. And you speak from experience, not just as an analyst. You uh, have a son-in-law, Dallas Lodge, who played for Stanford. So you saw this in person. So those insights are from physically watching that and talking to Dallas, which is great. BYU uh, power team that has speed. Oregon feels like a speed team that we associate Oregon with speed. We also show, associate style and fashion with speed and Nike, I, I think, which is interesting. So this matchup's going to be fun. What did you learn from the BYU-Baylor game that you think BYU can, can translate into the Oregon game? Yeah, BYU played a fair amount of just straight man, man defense in that game, which freed up their backers to flow and, and get to the football. And when you hold a Baylor football team to under three yards of carry, that, that's a heroic accomplishment because that is one of the most physical fronts on the offensive side in college football, period. Like on par with Bama and Ohio State and BYU fared really, really well. And I think we got to give some credit to the back end where they could trust those guys that they could cover and then you could free those other guys up to say, hey, go play the run and be aggressive and get in those gaps. And BYU's linebacking core was phenomenal in that game. They didn't give up a 20-yard pass play. Yeah, and how about how about that? It, That's it's, it's not just it's not just speed in the secondary; it's speed and depth. Because you know, if when Baylor did have a few longer drives, BYU rotated guys in at the corners. It's safety, and so you've got to be good there, but you also have to be deep there to match up with these teams that are rolling receivers in. And we associate Oregon with speed, but Oregon doesn't have more speed than Baylor on the perimeter. Eleven, the slot for Baylor is faster than anybody on BYU's team or Oregon's team. The fastest guy in the field last week. Did you notice him blowing by people and, and making big plays? Baylor has, Baylor has this great combination of just physical, nasty dudes on both sides of the ball up front and great speed in the perimeter in their secondary, and we saw that from their secondary. And they have receivers that can really run, just like Oregon's receivers. Um, and so I thought BYU showed us that they can match up with speed on the outside and they can be really physical on the inside. They're going to have to duplicate that again. I feel like Oregon's more similar to Baylor than people think. Stylistically, just because they're in this transition period, uh, you know, Baylor likes to run zone stretch and run it at you a lot more. They want to establish, establish the run. They ran 80, 80 plays in that game. That's a um, lot. Yeah. Oregon's going to be more up-tempo, and we'll see early in the game a bunch of just quick throw it out, to, to a wide receiver, throw it out. They are using their tight end more this year than we've tight ends more. They're playing more 11 and 12 personnel, meaning one back and a tight end or one back and two tight ends than we've seen in the past already just in two games. But they're still using those tight ends to put them in the slot and throw them a quick screen. If BYU can just shut those things down and be aggressive, then it, then it makes Bo Nix be a drop back passer. And that's what BYU wants. They want to just play drop-back pass game, be able to just come after the quarterback, smack the quarterback around. So early in the game, if BYU can get to the perimeter and go sideline to sideline, that's what Oregon does to you. It puts them in a really good position to force Oregon to do what BYU wants them to do to try to keep up. Blaine, certainly BYU is going to encounter some scenarios on the road this time, you know, because we've talked a ton about how much the crowd impacted BYU's ability to close out Baylor and just what, what an impact that atmosphere in that setting was, certainly energizing the players late in the game and into double overtime. BYU's not going to have that luxury in Eugene. So when the adversity strikes and when the Ducks fans are loud and it's crazy at Autzen Stadium, it's a great college football venue, why is this BYU team 
mentally ready for something like that, maybe compared to years past where they might not have been? It's a, I mean, you nailed, Autzen's a really tough place to play. Just like BYU's a tough place to play. Um, that crowd gets on you, they're close to you. Um, when you're now on offense, the noise is going to be there. When you're on defense, it'll be quiet. Just the opposite of what they, they just had. But the thing that makes the difference is BYU's a really veteran team. And, and especially at the quarterback position. But really, go, go around. The, they're experienced at every position. Kalani's not where he was four years ago where he's got a bunch of freshmen playing at key positions. The, these are all guys that have been around, have played in crazy environments, um, and understand how you keep your composure. And the most important position on the field in, in any sport is quarterback in football. Jaron Hall just doesn't, it just nothing phases him. Just doesn't, it doesn't matter what the situation is, he just always has this confident calm about him, and the rest of the team feeds off of that. Um, and so I, I think that he's the difference maker in this, and he can be the guy that keeps him calm down. And they've got veteran guys up front, too, on the offensive line that they know, hey, listen, we have to hold hands, or if you have to watch the ball or whatever, we can do this. We don't have to be able to yeah. hear one another. Just stay calm. Let's just do, do our deal. And we watched Utah run the ball right at Oregon last year. If BYU can run right at them and keep the ball and have some drives where they just run it down their throats, um, that quiets the crowd down really fast. Yeah. When you're, if you're dominating up front and, and they can't stop you and it's just like right down the field and score, and then you get a stop and it's right down the field and score, that neutralizes that tremendous home field advantage. And so it's really important for BYU to start, not just start well and get out in front, but start so physically well that the fans go, oh man, we're, we're getting pushed around out there. That quiets down a home crowd really quick. The right tackle for BYU will certainly be motivated in Kingsley Suomatia. Yes. Blake Freeland, they ran behind him for the touchdown in overtime with Lopini Katoa. Our question of the day, Blaine, is this. Does a special season hinge on BYU winning this game Saturday? Well, I, to me, a special season would be anything that's double-digit wins with this type of a schedule. Yes. So, so they don't have to beat Oregon have a special season. To me, I take it in its entirety. Um, you, get 10, you get 10 wins with this schedule, you're going to be a top 15 team. Um, you may even still be a New Year's 6 team with 10 wins. Um, but when we're talking about uh, elite, you know that word that we don't use that often? The E word. Where you start saying, hey, this is like the 96 team, or this is like the 84 team, or the 83 team, or the 80 team with Jim McMahon. To put them in that category they want to be in that category then this wins a must because i think i think to be in that category you got to go out and win 11 games and be ranked in the top 10 which they could still do if they lose just your likelihood of actually doing that goes down because we're staring at arkansas playing great right, right. ball right now, now and, and that's maybe i shouldn't say and must win but it, it gets you in and i also think sure. that you go win on the road at oregon oh my goodness and anything is, is possible and this team i think they're immediately in the top yes, 10 you're yes. top 10 and, team totally. and everybody's talking about them totally and then they have a chance in the next couple of weeks to really flex their muscles and get everybody healthy i shouldn't defensively they're really healthy right now as healthy as they've been like they're they were healthy going into this last game they're healthy you know, we saw Tyler Batty come out. Yeah, I think he'll be okay. Injury, just Gabe Summers was a little got, banged Got out. hit on the hip is what happened to him. He got bruising. Um, Gabe Summers came back in. Um, they were 100% healthy on defense. I can't remember even in openers the last time we said that. 
And they're 100% again this week, likely. And then in offense, they're getting closer. If Puka can play, um, you know, that's really Puka and Gunner are the only ones out. Uh, so, and BYU just beat a top 10 team without them, which is without, pretty crazy. And let me tell you, they are, BYU's got a great receiving core. But Puka and Gunner as a 1-2, they match up with anybody. And Puka on his own, Puka's a starting NFL wide receiver. Like, he's better than... Almost anybody, like he, he, he's as good as anybody in the Pac-12. And so... He used to play there, in fact. That's a difference maker. Do you sure. know what I mean? Oh, I, no, no question. Depth is yeah. great. BYU's good. Chase Roberts may end up being just a phenomenal star before it's all See the second coming of Austin Collier, by the way? Man, I love his big body and how he goes and tracks the ball, right? Yeah. BYU's got a lot of guys that can do that. Keanu Hill's a really, really good wide receiver. But Puka's a special kind of every once in a while guy. Puka's an Austin Collie. Puka's a Glenn Kozlowski. You know what I mean? It's he will he, have the stats to hang there because of a shortened time and right. injuries if, and whatnot. If he's but back like who he is yeah. and can go 100, percent he's a matchup nightmare. And it doesn't even matter if you put your best guy on him. It doesn't matter if your one guy's on his hip. He's catching it. He's always open. He's catching it. You one have to. One, you have to double team. You have to double-team yep. him. He will just go take it from people. And then BYU can exploit some other And opponents. he brings a confidence um, to that offense that's tangible. Like, you can feel, when he's in the game, everybody's like, yeah. Did BYU not establish the run, not just because of the physical Baylor line, but because maybe the jet sweep didn't soften it up? Like, that, if Puka's healthy and in that game, does that open some lanes there, Blaine? It, I think that helps. And um, Puka and Gunnar are really good in the screen game, too. Mm. We forget that not only can they both stretch the field, and they can both run fly sweeps, especially Puka. But in the quick screen game, where the quarterback just takes a snap and boom, throws it out, Puka and Gunnar are both really good in that game. So early in the game, when you have those two in there, you get people going sideline to sideline in the front. This is what Oregon's going to try to do to BYU. And then all of a sudden, they throw a deep ball over the top. And, you're ch- and even if Gunnar doesn't get it, you're like, man, that guy just ran by us. You know, Puka goes up and takes one from somebody 35 down, yards down the field or makes a phenom- catches the ball and makes three guys miss and scores. And the defense starts to go, oh, my goodness, we've got so many things to think about. They're on that sideline. They're on that sideline. They just went deep over the middle. Puka just beat us on a fade route. They start thinking about all that. All of a sudden, you can run the ball. And people say, well, you established the run to open up the pass. When you, you can establish the, the throw. <laughs> that's you, what you guys You establish the quick throw game, and then you can run all you want on people, right? And so it also works in reverse. And when you've got Puka and, and Gunner, you can decide which is better. You can you test them. If you get seven yards on your first couple of carries, well, then go ahead and establish the run first, and they start creeping up, and you got all that intermediate stuff in behind the linebackers. If they're being really stout against the run, you go, oh, okay. We're just going to stretch you guys out. We're going to go sideline to sideline and throw it over the top of you because we got the dudes to do it. That and was it, last week. It's, it's interesting to talk to BYU's coaches right now. That game against Baylor, that was two top 10-looking teams going toe-to-toe. Mm-hmm. Really good at every position, right? Yeah. Which, that's fun, right? When you talk to BYU's coaches, you ask them, like, well, what about this team? Man, they got some dudes. They got this guy and that guy. You know, we're talking to them about Baylor, talking to them about Oregon. But then they always finish with, well, we got some dudes, too. Like, we got some dudes. And that always hasn't been the case when you talk to the coaches at BYU. I don't, we're going to have to do this. We're going to have to scheme that. We're gonna... And now BYU's coaches realize, yep, they got some dudes that are crazy skilled and talented and big and physical, and we got some dudes. We have some matchup nightmares just like they do now, and that's why BYU can go compete. Blaine, let's finish with this. Uh, we just pointed out week three, for whatever reason, in the history of BYU football has always been weird. It's, it's the week that BYU has struggled the most. Now they got to go on the road 
they are, yes, they are technically the underdog, but uh, it's it, it just, Autzen Stadium creates such a tough atmosphere to have to go and play in. What's your advice to them? You know, what's your advice to BYU football to like not worry about week three and how to handle the momentum of beating Baylor? What would you say to them in the locker room? I realize it's on the road, but wasn't week three last year at Arizona State? It was at home. Yeah, yes. but after Utah. True. There's not a it more emotional Utah. game yeah. than Utah. Yeah. And I was worried BYU was going to come out, even though it was at home, and start flat. Because that, sometimes that happens after an emotional game. They didn't. They came out and just punched them in the face and hung in there. And Literally them. punched the ball out. Right. And so, so I think you look back and you go, hey, recent history is all that matters with this team. And we realize this one's on the road. Veteran players thrive on hostile environments. Young players get intimidated. Veteran players that have done it a few times, they walk in, they go, yes, here we go. I love these dudes yelling at me because you can grab energy from either a really um, huge, enthusiastic crowd on your side, you can grab that energy, or you can grab energy from, here we go, let's shut these people up. And veteran guys feed off of a hostile, hostile crowd on the other side. They love it. So to me, the worst thing in the world is to play in front of a crappy crowd on the road with no, nobody there. Which you did a lot in the WEC. Yes, we did. Because <laughs> you Hard you, to manufacture energy. You can <laughs> grab energy from people being all over you. Yeah. And veteran teams do that well. This is a veteran BYU team. I, ho- I would say, listen to all that's going on, internalize it, and go, oh, we're shutting these people up. And then there's nothing better than that hostile crowd getting in the huddle at one point and just going, man, guys, it got really quiet. Let's, <laughs> let's cram it down their throats again and let's completely shut them up. It's so quiet I can whisper right yeah. now. Yeah. I'm going to whisper to you guys in the huddle because we shut them up. Yes. And so that, that's, that's the kind of mentality you have to have on the road. You have to relish that it's just a nasty, brutal environment. And your whole goal is shut this group up. Embrace and if, and if the you hostility. Can do, if you can do that, if you can embrace it, and say that hostility gives me energy, you can win on the road. Blaine, great that's, stuff. That's us looking at Twitter. Yeah. And we look we look forward to uh, <laughs> the right. Bear Hunt recap on After yeah, Fun. Fun. We have a fun show for everybody tonight. Fantastic. Speaking of tonight, 7 Eastern time, check it out as Blaine. He saved his best for the show. If you thought that was good, just wait till 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app as the guys break down the Baylor game. Look ahead to Oregon. And will the Cougars be eating duck on Saturday night? Like, like actual duck in Eugene? <laughs> Why are we asking this question? There's a reason for everything. Stay with us on BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This is BYU Sports Nation. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. He is Jerem. I am Spencer. You know what time it is. Let's whip it! The Cougar Whip Around presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Congrats to Kansas uh, Jayhawk Kobe Bryant for winning the Big 12 Defense Player of the Week. But should Max Tooley have been given the award? <laughs> we're just a year ahead on this. If Max, if Max Tooley were playing in the actual Big 12, like if BYU were a member of the Big 12 this week, absolutely. He would have won. He would have won the award. Absolutely. Now, what happened to Kobe Bryant? Jacoby is his name. He goes by Kobe is Kansas is up in overtime. They're leading. He he has a pick six. All he has to do is go down. Pick six. Kansas wins 55-42 in overtime. 
That's the weirdest score I've ever seen in overtime. But back to Max Tulis. 13 tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, big hits. Uh, the pick six last week. Yeah. He is playing so well right now. Has any linebacker, and this is saying something because BYU's loaded a linebacker, has any BYU linebacker had a better two weeks than Max Tooley? This week? Or this year? Yeah. No. No. He's the it's best BYU Ma- linebacker it's playing Max right Tooley. now. And that's saying a lot because you have four really good ones. He would have won the award if, he, if BYU were in the Big 12 right now. I agree. Big Game Boomer had Chase Roberts as the eighth best receiver and the, sorry, eighth best receiving performance in the nation in week number two. Jerem, does that qualify as an elite performance? It was. And I looked at the other top 10 wins in BYU history. There were three other guys who went for a hundy plus in a touchdown. So he becomes the fourth BYU receiver to do that, which is incredible in a top 10 win, right? Matt Bellini in 90 against Miami. Mark Bellini in 85 against Air Force. Adam Haysbird against Pitt in 1984. What Chase did, wasn't just remarkable, it was something more than that because no Puka, no Gunner, BYU needed Chase Roberts to be unbelievable. Oh, like, and he does, threw a touchdown too. Right? Like, does BYU win that game without Chase Roberts? I would argue no way. No. No, no way. way. The, the catch in the back of the end zone right before halftime alone. That game. Is that a top 100 play in BYU history maybe, now because of tough maybe, and win? This think about the context of it, what it meant. Yep. Like, BYU does not win the game if that play is not executed, if he does not make that play. I don't, I don't believe BYU wins the game if Chase Roberts does not catch that You don't pass. even get to old Freud field goal attempts. You know what I mean? You needed that play. Unbelievable. So, yeah, by the way, Big Game Boomer going to be in town against Utah State. Well, well, well. All right. Big Game Boomer, come hang out with us. Yeah, we'll see if he's actually a BYU fan. <laughs> <laughs> it's some Cougar alumni member in, in the Midwest. Hey, maybe he doesn't want that uh, revealed. I don't know. Okay, here we go. Is Lopini Katoa... RB1A right now. Yeah, it feels that way. Co-RB1. I mean, he's, just because he's getting into the end zone, right? Like, he, the way he played against USF and then BYU relied on him to score a big touchdown in, uh, against Baylor. Like, yes, Lopini Katoa. I think this is what Kalani Sataki wants, by the way. He wants RB1 and RB1A in Chris Brooks and Lopini Katoa. It depends on what you need and what formation you're in and the versatility of that moment. Yes, he let's absolutely not, is. Let's not forget that Christopher Brooks is incredible just because he didn't have one good game. Tyler Algier didn't play well against Baylor either. No, 34 like, yards for Tyler Algier against yes, Baylor. and we didn't go, you know what, Tyler Algier isn't a good running. We didn't say that. Christopher Brooks is a very good running back. He's going to be very good. That was a tough night, but guess what? Late in the game, what happened? The run opened up a little bit. Baylor got a little tired. Yeah. Lopini Katoa scores near the goal line, tough yards. That's the game-winning score, by the way. He's a change of pace back. 100%. So you can't, it's hard to game plan for him because he is a little bit, 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 a little bit. His ability to do things in the pass game and in the run game, they're all out there, right? Chris Brooks is more just physical power running, right? Speed and strength. Lopini's change of pace. That's why they call it a change of pace back, because it's hard to plan for. I said this last year. What has Lopini Katoa done to not deserve more? Well, he's getting more now. He's getting more. He's getting more. Yeah. Mm. But beware of the disease of more. Yeah. Some, sometimes that's that can be bad. BYU women's volleyball, Jerem, falls to 15th in the ABCA poll. Oh, no. The question is, is this as low as BYU will drop in the national rankings? Yes. It's a couple of weeks until BYU starts to play some ranked teams. Pepperdine's in the top 25. San Diego's all the way up to 12. Um... BYU will not drop lower than 17. BYU's been in the top 17, Spencer, ever since Heather Olmstead took over the program. Unbelievable run by Heather in this program. They've not lost three games in a row since 2010. Yeah, it's not happening in the Heather Olmstead era. 
right? They just played three top 10 teams. That's tough. This team's gonna bounce back. They are a top 15 team. They are a sweet 16 team still. They're going to win the WCC, we believe. They're very good, not overly concerned. Wanted to get at least one of those yes. three top 10 games, did not. But I still believe BYU is going to finish in the top 16. Yeah, and not all three-game losing streaks are created equally when you're taking on three top 10 teams that are all, I believe, still ranked in the top 10 right now. Like, Very good. It's, it's tough. Yeah. Okay, Notre Dame quarterback uh, Tyler Buckner will likely miss the rest of the season with a significant left shoulder sprain. He had surgery. The Irish are 0-2, unranked. Along with this, what does this do for your excitement around the October 8th matchup with Notre Dame and Vegas? The excitement remains. Now, maybe it becomes just like desperation game for Notre Dame, right? Where like it's a like, different oh, angle. Man, yeah. like we have to beat BYU to salvage this season, you know, to, to meet the expectations that were set up. So, I mean, the excitement still exists. Here's what it's really gonna do. It's gonna, like, ticket prices are falling really, really fast right now. Okay, because not good for the two no. tickets I'm trying to get rid of. No, the, the Irish fans may feel a little <laughs> less inclined to go to Las Vegas because their starting quarterback's out. One of their best receivers is out. Yep. They're 0-2. Like, what is Notre Dame right now? We are Marshall. As a BYU fan, it's very exciting because it's like, oh, this is more winnable. Yeah, maybe yeah. BYU is favored going into the game against Notre Dame now, Mike. And maybe they won't be so beat up when they take on Arkansas the next week. BYU's walking into that Notre Dame at least 4-1. and one. At least 4-1. At, at worst, 4-1. At one. worst, yeah. yeah. There you go. Should BYU, and this is based on something that Reddit College Football posted, because <laughs> Kentucky, apparently after they beat Florida, decided to eat some bacon-wrapped gator in the Sunshine State. You had gator before, Spence? I have, it, and I know oh, we it? always are like, ah, it tastes like chicken. It really does. It tastes like it chicken. It just tastes like it tastes like I've chicken. I've never had Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, should BYU take that energy from Kentucky and have some duck ready to feast on if they beat Oregon in Eugene? Uh, emotionally, yes. Uh, physically, no. <laughs> I don't think BYU is that type of team. Because uh, that, that feels pretty disrespectful. The SEC, those rivalries are more and games are more aggressive uh, than what BYU has traditionally uh, done. So, yeah, emotionally, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe just <laughs> take some golf clubs and just like some rubber duckies and then maybe just swing golf clubs at the rubber duckies or something like that. I don't know. You can do lots Clemson of different things. Clemson Duckies never doing this. You can this. do lots of different He's things. He's never doing anything no. like that. He respects the other team too. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Is there somebody on the staff that doesn't, though? Because if we do, if there is, then we need to patch well, it. Well, then he's going to be ticked at them. Yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> okay, if you missed Coordinator's Corner yesterday, catch it and all BYU TV shows, including this one, on demand on BYUSN.com or the BYU TV app. That show is great. No other show like it in the country. Honestly, it's fantastic. And next, our totally unbiased Big 12 plus four power rankings. Did BYU move up after their win over Baylor? Did Texas move up after almost beating Alabama? World victory! I know you're on the edge of your seats. Those rankings up next on BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live in Studio B. We now present our week two, totally unbiased, Big 12 plus four power rankings here on BYU Sports Nation. Some significant movers this week, Jerem. Significant movers. Not so much in the one and two spots, but look who's at number three. 
The BYU Cougars, after beating Baylor, they have surpassed the Bears on that poll now. Again, totally unbiased. Subplanted them. Texas also (laughs) takes a spot away from Baylor after losing, but to Alabama in a game that, frankly, the Longhorns probably should have won. If Quinn Ewers is still playing in that game, you'd think they win. There was an absolute moral victory there for Texas. Listen, Texas missed like a 20-yard field goal right before halftime. Yeah. They make that field goal? Field goals Game are, over. Field goals are missed. Oh, my goodness. The yeah. Hashtag go Seahawks. Texas, number four. Baylor falls to number five. Since he's back in the mix after a win, they've jumped up once. But the big mover, however, was Kansas State going from 11 to 7, Jeremy. So just what do you mean? Big. It was Kansas going from uh, 14 to 13 because they're... Oh, that, that was the big mover? Jayhawks are 2-0. They're pacing for the college football playoff at the moment. The, well, they got to beat the Wildcats <laughs> of Kansas State, right? they got they got to take care of business against their in-state or rival. Or anybody else. Uh, Iowa State, TCU, Texas Tech at number 10, Houston, UCF, Kansas, and West Virginia. Houston's probably a little low, um, although they played two games, both in overtime, went one and one, UTSA, and now Texas Tech. Yeah, Texas Tech beat them head-to-head, so Texas Tech takes over then that poll. Houston considered one of the best, if not the best, G5 kind of going into the season, but hey, App State uh, surprised some people, right? We thought Utah State might be a good G5. Nope, lost to Weber State 35-7. That's not, a, that's not a thing. A lot of upheaval there in Logan right now. But yeah, look, look how good this league is. I'm so excited about being in that league. I'm also terrified in some degree because it's like most of these are, are top 40 teams. We're not bragging about the top end being in the top 44, by the way. But just SP+, FPI, Massey, AP, da-da-da. A lot of quality in this group, and BYU right now we have it number three. Yeah. Is, is Texas ranked in the AP Top 25 right now? Are they ranked? After I don't remember, losing are they? To, to, I believe that they might have they snuck cl- in. Did they? No, they stayed at uh, wherever they were. Tw- they're unranked. not ranked. Unranked. Okay, they're not ranked. Okay, but the Longhorn Network probably has them number one <laughs> in the totally unbiased. Texas got oh. a first-place vote yeah. in the coaches' poll in the preseason. Right. Whoever, uh, whoever <laughs> hey, someone knew something. It was Sark. He voted for his own team. <laughs> Okay, itching for BYU shows and games whenever you want? Well, guess what? You can go to BYUSN.com, download the BYU TV app for all the shows and games your heart could ever desire. Check it out. And it's Top 5 Tuesday, which means you're about to witness the top five plays ranked from 5 to 1 from BYU's win against ninth-ranked Baylor. Stay with us on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. Make sure to download the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps or download the pod, subscribe, rate, and review. Let's go Top 5 Tuesday. And specifically following that double overtime win against then ninth-ranked Baylor, why yeah. not look at the top five plays from, if we're being honest, one of the top wins in BYU football history. Just Absolutely. The sixth time BYU has beaten a top ten team. So let's go. Number five. Mad Max goes crazy against Baylor. Too many good ones just to pick one. So here have a couple of tackle on a Quaylen Jones in the first quarter. Boom. Next, the third down stop in the second quarter on uh, Tay McWilliams. Man, he was just laying the lumber. He really was. Another play, reintroduced himself to Williams. Another big third down stop. He caps the third quarter with a tackle against Baylor on first down. He had a career-high 13 in this game. Mad Max going crazy right now. He might just shave his head and uh, play the guitar with a bunch of fire coming out at some point. We Love need, it. I think we need to do this in the sand dunes. Number four. Say hello to Keenan Peely. 
playing in his first game at Lavelle Stadium since September of last year. Now, on third and five late in the fourth quarter, Baylor's trying to get in field goal range to break a 20-20 tie. You know what? Keenan's having none of it. And eventually, Baylor would have to punt. They didn't have an opportunity to kick a field goal because of another linebacker making a huge play. Keenan Peely joining Max Tooley. Man, what a combo of linebackers that BYU has in those two. Number three, the final play, fourth and goal from the 12. Rock pushes them back with some false starts. Blake Mangelson says, I'm the superior Blake, as Shapin throws it out of the back of the end zone, sealing the win and the ensuing crowd rush right after that. At number two, how about a little spice? Sitting just outside of the end zone, Jaron Hall throws a calm pass to Chase Roberts, who then promptly throws it back to Jaron Hall, and the entourage is on their way to the end zone. Unbelievable play design, play execution, and then the run with that convoy of blockers in front. One of my favorite. This, Jaron, this, this is probably a top 100 BYU football play all time. That's Zion's camp. Seriously. Like that, right there, that just, might be in the top yeah, 100 Zion, plays all time. We've got to revise this thing again. we got to do it again. Number one, play against Baylor. Toe drag swag. Mm. Jaron Hall to Chase Roberts. Two seconds left in the first half. Oh, oh gave BYU the lead as RG3 said. Chase is on the case. It's the first of many Chase Roberts touchdowns as BYU goes on to win. And what a performance by Chase Roberts. Eight catches, 122 yards, two total touchdowns. This little piggy found a piece of grass in the end zone. <laughs> Touchdown, even BYU. Showed, yes, even showed the grass where he dragged it out. It's like, see? Yeah, yeah. It might have been a catch in the NFL, right? I think so. Oh, I really do. Our question of the day, as we move from the high energy of that Baylor win now to Eugene, Oregon, does BYU making this a special season, does it hinge on the outcome of the Cougars game against the Ducks in Eugene this Saturday? Yes, no, or time will tell. Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. Stephen Best on Instagram says... Yes, all of the games do. A strong win would be a nice exclamation point. Wouldn't it be poetic for BYU to make a New Year Six or college football playoff in the final year of independence? Yes. Again, we need there. blue We're goggles in the studio yeah, somewhere. Well, yeah, well, we, we, we need need blue goggles affixed. in the studio. We got them firmly affixed. Yeah. Hey, beat Oregon, the playoff conversation really started. Yes, because yeah. then BYU is going to beat 100%. Utah State. One, be five and zero going to take on Notre Dame in Vegas. Now you're now you're a CFP like nominee, if you will. All right. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Go check out Sweetie Satake's post about the embrace she caught between Kalani and Tom Satake on the field before the game. Very cool. Very cool. Our thanks to today's guest, Blaine Fowler. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. We ran out of time. For Jeremiah, I'm Spencer. Shout out to our guy, Robert Parker. Yeah. See you for after further review in BYU football with Kalani Satake on the BYU TV app tonight. Go Cougs. <laughs>